Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hey, everybody. Before we get into today's episode, just a quick little warning. You're probably going to hear some sound effects. It's not me throwing up or Sean farting in the background or anything good like that. You're going to hear some like banging through a wall here in the uh, in the studio. So I apologize for that. And at some point, it'll seem like you're at like Shea Stadium and a plane's flying overhead. So it just I think it just adds character to the podcast. So um, just be aware of that. And we apologize. And um, it's free content. So I'm not apologizing. Just accept it and deal with it. And uh, here's the show. Welcome back, everybody. It's your favorite hockey podcast, Biscuits. It's episode six. I'm Dave Lozo, and I am a uh, I am in the Vice offices here in Brooklyn, and uh, I'm talking to some some dude up in Canada. Who's who's there on the other end, please? Yeah, hi. It's uh, it, this is Sean, first time caller, long time <laughs> listener. I'm up here in Ottawa, and I'm I'm freezing my nuts off. It's so cold up here right now. What is it up there? It's like 23 down here. 23 normal. I have to what, convert what's, what's it to your... American. In the entire rest of the world, it's like minus 20 right now, but I don't know what that is for you guys. Cold. That's probably like 46 for us. That's like, like minus 20 for you is like a 72 degree day in, in, in America. The only place that knows how to keep track of the weather, apparently. Uh, how's everything? How's the last week been? How's your fantasy football teams doing? Anything? Anything good? Uh, they're terrible. They're terrible. They, uh, I, I only have two. They both missed the playoffs, and I, I, I felt okay about that because I'd known that for a while, and I figured I could still win like the consolation round and get a high draft pick. And, and I'm losing both of those too. So the entire season was a write-off, and fantasy football is stupid. And I'm going to come crawling back next year and do the same thing. Your consolation league in your in your consolation tournament. If you win it, you get the first pick in your draft next year. Yeah. Yeah, which is the way to go. You got to do it that Ooh. way, or else people like me who are bad at this have nothing to look forward to. That's genius, because like we just we just like we just redraw. We just basically no. You got to you got to do it that way, and and because I yeah I I in in my one league I lost by two points on. Did you watch the the whole Monday night game? The the Patriots Ravens. Uh. Kind of. I lost by two points. I have Stephen Goskowski, and it, when it got down to like with thirty seconds left, it was fourth and two. And rather than just kick the field goal and ice the win, the Patriots decided to go for it because it's Bill Belichick, and of course he did. Like oh. every other coach in the league would have just automatically been dumb and gone for the field goal, but the one guy who thinks through the actual numbers and comes up with a better plan, and that's why I lost. What an idiot. I say we do 55 minutes on fantasy football. So here's the best draft strategy, I think, for next season. 
load up on tight. No, but like in my league, I played. I played. I had the worst team in the league, worst playoff team. I played Drew Brees, no touchdowns, three interceptions. I played Melvin Gordon, hurt on the first drive of the game. I played Des Bryant, who had minus points because he lost a fumble on his only catch, and Antonio Brown, who didn't do anything because he played against. Uh, or he played against the Bills, and Le'Veon Bell had like 50 touches. So I, I think I'm much better at fantasy football than you, and therefore I am a superior person. You probably are. You probably are better, but it won't matter because it's all luck and it's stupid. Oh, it's totally luck. I'm going to get slaughtered this week. Speaking of things that are stupid, there's our segue into... <laughs> us! Into Dave and Sean. It's us this time. Rip on the NHL for an hour. Where should we start? Last week, we kind of talked about the Vegas Golden Knights and their, their silly um, trademark situation because there's some, like, Division Six college that has, like, the same logo and same name. And so there had to, there's a trademark appeal and all that. So we made a bunch of jokes about that. And apparently we got a tweet at us making fun of us about that that Sean just told me about five minutes before the podcast. I didn't know. But I got a solo email from Caroline um, who – she was very nice. She didn't, she didn't, like, call me, like, a – dumb bald asshole or anything like that she was very nice she didn't call you a stupid canadian that should stay in your country and never ever have a podcast in america but she was very nice and she wanted to clear some stuff up so uh the top of the it's funny like the email is like two sentences about how much she likes my work and then the next nine are about how stupid i am it's the perfect it's the perfect way to get me to read the whole email but uh here's what she says she says although it's not as entertaining as making fun of their incompetence the statement from the team makes sense and i don't think they are being completely stupid about this Applicants generally perform some trademark searching before filing their trademark application, but that doesn't mean that you only file if you find nothing similar. If you find something that is close, even very close like what they found, you may still file your application if you believe you have the ability to argue successfully before the trademark office. So her argument is they knew about it, said we don't care. If we get something back on it, we can win the argument. So I don't know. I, 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 still think, I still think making fun of something that we don't understand is way funnier than talking about it intelligently. Yeah, I, I appreciate the clarification, but if, if you and I are going to be expected to understand something before we criticize other people, <laughs> this is going to become a real short podcast really quickly. So, <laughs> but, I, I only figured out how to do the, trade, the trademark, the TM thing, um, like about a year ago, so I'm not really the trademark expert. But I, I do like this. Maybe we should open every show from now on with, like, emails correcting us on the previous week's problems so we're gonna do like a two yeah. and a half hour three, <laughs> yeah. Tim, tim's got places exactly. to be tim can't sit here with me for three hours tim, tim's gonna be like buddy i got like two other podcasts i have i, I have people i have to go yeah, see after true. this he has a, he has like a separate job as a doctor he's yeah we gotta we, we we might get kicked out by the basketball people so all right moving on to to the things that actually happened this week that didn't involve me and sean getting kindly yelled at the Florida Panthers, again, seem to be a thing because I, I never thought that – what's today's date? The 15th, the 14th, whatever it is. I did not think that at some point this early in the season I would think about and talk about and care about the Florida Panthers so much. But now after firing their coach and winning, I think, one game in the two weeks since they fired him, there's all this stuff going around that Dale Talon's been reinstated as the guy that runs a day-to-day, but apparently that's not true and – no one knows what's going on there, and as far as I can tell, the Florida Panthers may have surpassed the Colorado Avalanche as the worst-run organization in the National Hockey League, which is saying a lot because Colorado had a lead there that I thought would never, ever, ever get overtaken, and here we are, three months into the season after they had 107 points last year. Yeah, and and here's the weird thing about it is not only is it is it a mess, I mean, it's bad enough when you're dominating the hockey conversation because you fired your coach 
in a weird way, which happened two weeks ago. But now they're managing to dominate the conversation just because they they shifted some responsibilities around in the front office, which is that's that's pretty amazing that a, that the Florida <laughs> Panthers can can get in there. But but part of the reason for it is like the Panthers became over the last year or so when the new ownership came in and some of the new people in the front office and and the new structure they sort of planted this flag as the analytics team and they sort of became the new darling of not even just the analytics crowd but the the sort of progressive new way of thinking about hockey and doing things differently and disrupting the old boys club uh approach that that so many other teams still have and it just it feels like because of that Everybody, like as as anytime hockey analytics comes up, everybody has to pick one side or the other and dig in. And it's become this situation where, as as other people have pointed out today, if it, it the the Florida Panthers cannot win with about half of the hockey world and just get trashed for whatever they do, and they can't lose with about the other half of the hockey world, and everybody thinks that they're you know these these geniuses that are. That, that are being unfairly attacked by the old school and, and all of this stuff. And nobody seems to just be able to just kind of take a step back and look at it and go, maybe this just isn't a really especially good team, whether they're crunching numbers in a certain way or not. But they, I, I, I thought they were a good team. I thought, it was, I thought they had a couple guys. They had like Riley Smith, um, Trocek, a couple of guys that had just like ridiculously great shooting years last year. Like they shot at like 21% for the whole year and for their careers, they were right. at like nine or something like that. So you knew there was going to be some regression, but they weren't playing that badly under Gerard Gallant. They weren't playing this badly with, with, with their new coach, Tom Rowe, who I just, I, I saw the Willie Mitchell tweet where he was talking about how young players like to have a clear path and all that sort of stuff. And they like to have a good direction or a good idea of the direction of where the team's going. And I can kind of get that because you, you just don't know. It's because you, you, you played a certain way last year and you had an unbelievably successful year. And then the year after that, people are telling you to do stuff differently. You got a new coach, you got a new system, you got all this new stuff. I got to tell you, there's 1,200 plus games in an NHL season. I don't care about the outcome. I'll say of probably one thousand one hundred and twelve of them, or eighteen of them. I'm doing the math on the fly. I'm kind of rooting against the Florida Panthers. I'm 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 kind of annoyed at them. I'm kind of pissed off about how they've you know pushed out Dale Talon, pushed out Gerard Gallant. How they're just sort of, I mean, they're 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 a team that's so desperate for attention and so desperate for fans. They have this unbelievably great season where you're, if you're if you're living in the Miami area, you're like maybe I'll go check this team out. And they've like they've they've run it into a tree. They've taken the car, they've slammed on the gas, and they've jerked it off the road. And they seem to have this weird sort of thing about them where they don't get why people are doubting them. Like oh my god, why would you, we, we have a system in play? You you had this GM who took this garbage fire of a team, whatever it was, five years ago, built them into the best they've ever been as a franchise. And you're messing around with it, and I just, I, I, I have no like Columbus. Like everyone's like, oh, you're rooting against Columbus because of Torts. Like I don't care what Torts does; he can win, lose. I don't care. I, I'm annoyed. I, I'm really pissed off at the Florida Panthers, and I want them to fail. I think. Well, the I, I guess the 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 especially annoying thing about the way they've handled it is you can say what you say what you want to say about Gerald Gallant, but at least in that case, they fired him. When it was time to move on, they fired him, yeah. and he doesn't work in that organization anymore. Whereas with Dale Talon, it was like he was the GM, 
and then they promoted him to GM and, and team president, but then they took away the GM's title, played that off as if it was a promotion. Yeah. <laughs> but also left him with some of the, the day-to-day hockey duties. Like, we've seen this before, right? Like, when Ron Hextel uh, came in in Philadelphia, it was the same... Uh, you know, it was the same sort of thing. Like we're we're gonna the old guy goes upstairs and and becomes president, but the the new guy gets to run the show. And in in Florida, you know, I and I guess some of this goes to uh, I've read a couple of things where they've said that the you know the ownership the new ownership in Florida views things a little bit differently. They don't like the idea of a strict org chart where everybody reports into somebody else. They like more of a collective. You know, get everyone around the table, have people with certain areas that they're better at and certain areas that maybe they have less say. And it sounds like maybe there was, there was a bit of that. And, and, but, you know, with Dale Talon, it, it rather than just say, okay, you're not the GM anymore. You're going to go worry about team operations, but the hockey decisions are going to be made by somebody else. He was still left a little bit in the loop. And, and now we're led to believe is, is more in the loop. Although this is, this is one of these stories. It, 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 it kind of broke last night uh, and we're recording this on Thursdays. When we say last night, we're talking Wednesday night. People probably won't hear this until Friday. Uh, and, and I'm almost hesitant to get into it because I, I have a feeling there's going to be a few more twists and turns in the story in 24 hours uh, before that happens. But essentially what happens is is to, to catch anyone up who, who hasn't followed it, Wednesday night, uh, a report comes out from from one of the, the big hockey insiders saying Dale Talon is, is back in charge in Florida. Uh and that it makes everyone kind of go, wow, that's that's really strange because whether you like Dale Talon or not, he he was somewhat removed from the process, and you wouldn't think twenty five games or whatever it's been would be enough to to have you uh, going back on on your structure and, and the decision. And what is and what is what is what is putting him in there now do anyway? You, the season's already basically a quarter of the way over. Like why does why, why would putting Dale Talon back in charge now matter when all the decisions have already been made in the off season? It's just so weird, right? And 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 there's reports that you know he that some of the trades they made in the summer were, were trades that he would not have made, uh, and and again, you know, this is all clouded by the whole analytics thing because Dale Talon is the old school guy. He's he's been around forever, won Stanley Cups, built you know built winning rosters in different ways, and there was the perception that he was getting shoved aside so that all the computer boys could come in and with their spreadsheets and 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 nerds and all yeah and then and, and and make all their decisions without ever watching the games and and all of that stuff that that people like to <laughs> pretend is true about about analytics and so yeah this report comes out saying okay dale talent's back in charge and everybody goes okay that's that's really weird then we get florida beat writers saying no we're being told that nothing has changed and then we get other insiders weighing in saying, well, something has changed, but it's, it's, we're not really sure what, and maybe there's some shades of gray. And, and, uh, and, you know, and, and while this is happening, of course, as happens every time there are media reports that are conflicting, uh, you got a whole bunch of fans out there going, oh, somebody's lying. Somebody's making stuff up. Somebody... Somebody just got caught red-handed making up a fake story and, and putting it out there, and and you know, you, Darren Trigger. and you got people going, you <laughs> know, Trigger. and you got people going like, oh, clickbait, oh, it's it's just click, and it's like, yeah, that's that's it's the Canadian yeah. media and our clickbait because that's what we do when we want clicks, is we make up stories about the Florida Panthers. 
<laughs> in mid-December. Like, that's what really drives the conversation uh, up here. No, it's true. I, I, saw, I saw a thing that said the three most searched names in Canada are um, Celine Dion, uh, uh, Justin, Justin Trudeau, and uh, Dale Talon. That's yeah. true, right? It's, it, apparently it is, yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, nobody's making anything up. But it, clearly what's happening, and the other thing, and, and this, is, this is sort of something that is just happening in front of me as we, as we talk about this on Thursday afternoon, is, is apparently now Bob McKenzie has come out and, and, and sort of uh, clarified slash ripped on the Panthers a little bit and, and basically said, no, the initial reports were true. Uh, th- this is this is accurate. And now the Panthers are, are sort of covering their own behinds on this. And, you know, it, I, I know everyone's got different opinions about different reporters and different insiders and all that. But uh, if if Bob McKenzie says it, you're you're, you're pretty confident in uh, in taking it to the bank. And uh, I, I guess the thing I look at is whenever something like this happens and you've got conflicting reports in the media and you feel like, okay, well, one, one side's got to be right and one side's got to be wrong. And I like to look at it and go, is there a way that maybe both sides are right or at least both sides are a lot more accurate than we think? And and I really feel like my gut, and, and it is, it's gut. I There's no Obviously, I have I have no inside insight your, into this. Your gut's impeccable. Your gut's impeccable. Don't don't try and talk down the gut. Because here's the thing, my my gut. I don't have, I, you know, I haven't worked in an NHL front office, but I've worked in the corporate world quite a lot, and I've seen a lot of corporate nonsense go on. And there's a part of me that looks at this and just feels like what probably happened is that, you know, Dale Talon had been kept around, but he had had some of his duties taken away. And, and sort of been pushed away from the table a bit. The season's going bad. They're on this terrible streak right now after they've made the coaching change. Ownership is feeling the heat. They're getting ripped everywhere. And at some point, one of the owners sits down with Dale Talon and says, look, maybe we pushed you a little too far off off from the table. Maybe we need to bring you back in the loop a little bit. Are you willing to do that? Would you be willing to kind of take back some of the responsibilities that you had before? Not with a new title, we're not making any changes. We're not, you know, we're, we're not making you the GM again, but are you willing to maybe come back in the fold a little bit more? Uh, Dale Talon says, yeah, sure, I'll do it. And then directly or indirectly, that information leaks to a reporter somewhere who goes out and reports Dale Talon is back in charge. Uh, at which point that owner's phone probably starts blowing up with texts from the rest of the front office going like, Right. Dude, what the hell? What, what do you mean Dale's back in charge? Is this is this true? Are you going to let us know? And now he's thinking, oh geez, okay. Now I've stepped in it. Now I got we got to you know cover things up. And and you can then go to to the beat reporters and other reporters, and you can say accurately, we haven't changed anything as far as the org chart. Nobody's title has changed. Nothing official has changed. It's just that we've you know maybe maybe shifted some things around. And the reality is, it's it's sort of there in the middle, but. But Dale Talon has been given more responsibility. Maybe not a new title, but he's been given more responsibility back, and and he's uh, maybe not running the show. Um, but because you don't like the way that it came out, or because maybe it came out before you got to have that meeting and and let everyone know what was happening, now you're kind of in in butt covering mode. Does that sound plausible as a way that that we explain what's I, going on without accusing 
everybody of, of lying and making up stories? But I like accusing people of lying and making up stories. That makes for a better podcast. I don't like this whole rational thought thing you're doing all of a sudden. This is this is not what I signed up for. This will be my one for the my one for the wait till wait till we get into the Jerome McGinley stuff. Then I'll go completely off the off the. Okay, group. but here's here's what I'll say though. Like I've never worked in an NHL front office. I've never worked in the corporate world. But I have had a fantasy football team with two other partners. And let me tell you something. Come draft day, come waiver wire time, it is tough to have three people trying to decide who to, who to pick with the fourth pick, who to take in the third round, when to draft your quarterback. You just want to kind of have one person who knows what they're doing, me, making those decisions. So we did that. We, we, we had this partnership for like four or five years. It was like when we were in college and we had no money, so we couldn't afford like the entry free. So we split it, we split it three ways. And I'm telling you, ever since I branched out on my own, I am a fantasy. I am the Dale talent of the fantasy football world, except that, um, Scotty, Scotty Bowman's kid never once pushed me out of a team and took over for it and then took a bunch of credit for it. But no, yeah, I do. I do think that makes sense. I, it's just, you're, you're, I, I, I don't understand. Like, I understand how you want to have input, input from everybody and have, you know, you want to hear from the analytics side, you want to hear from your scouts, you want to use your own eyeballs and all that stuff. But what Florida was doing was working with Dale Talon having the final say and being the GM. I, do, I just don't get why. I don't get how anyone shows up and goes, hmm, let me check out the history of the Florida Panthers. Let me see what they've done before this year. Garbage, 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 garbage. Hey, they lost to the, the Avalanche in the Cup Final. That's weird. Garbage, 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 garbage. And then they have that year last year, and they're all set up. They're set up for the future. It's like now you can sell the team. You can get people in the building. And now they're like, let's fuck with it a little bit and have an amalgamated sort of – it's like the episode of Seinfeld when, when George is trying to think of the comeback for the guy in his office, and he's like, Jerkstore is going to nail that guy, and everyone's coming up with their own ideas. And he's like, this is how everything gets ruined. Everyone's ideas all come together, and everything gets all mushed together, and no one has a that's – what, that's what Florida is. Florida is the epitome of – Having the jerk star joke, which is a good line. I don't care what Seinfeld said. And now they're trying to come up with this great new joke. That's and they they, they don't they don't have it. So to summarize, it's much like the corporate world Sean existed in. It's much like my fantasy football team from 1997, and it's like a Seinfeld episode. I think that basically covers everything, right? <laughs> yes, that wraps up the entire situation based on the life experience of two guys who have never been inside of an NHL front office. I don't know. I don't know how we're not the top rated podcast. It's it's we've we've got all the takes. We've we have all the intelligence. Speaking of front offices, <laughs> can we just spend a few minutes trading Jerome Ginla? Why? 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 Don't you understand how happy he is in Denver? He chose Denver over Tampa. He doesn't want to go anywhere. He is. He is going somewhere. And and this you know this this was the the story that came out on the, on the weekend was that yes Jerome McGinley will consider waiving his his no trade no movement clause that the Avalanche brilliantly gave to him when they gave him a, a three year contract and and just for the record I mean Jerome McGinley is not good yeah. this year Jerome McGinley is is not having a good year and every time I bring this up every time I, I mention like oh, I can't wait for the trade deadline when the the Jerome McGinley sweepstakes break out. I get all these people who are like, well, he's not good anymore. And, you know, first of all, putting aside the fact that we don't know that whether it's that he's not good or whether it's just a slump or it's a situation or whatever, that doesn't matter. Like, Jerome McGinley is the platonic ideal of a guy that some GM will go out and blow their brains out to get at the trade deadline. Like, he's, he's a veteran. He's a leader. He's a winner. He plays physical. He's a heart and soul guy. Like there's, 
There's no, I mean, yeah, if his, if, if he was some Finnish guy who'd been in the league for four years and he had six goals through 20 games, you go, okay, yeah, nobody's, nobody's interested in, in getting this guy. But this is Jerome McGinley. I don't think there's any chance that when the deadline comes around that there, there isn't a lineup of teams out there looking to get it. I'm not saying they're going to pay a fortune for him. I'm not saying if you're a Colorado fan, you're going to get a first-round pick and a top prospect. But you're going to get something, and there's going to be no shortage of interest. And, you know, seeing as you and I, I think, are both in the same boat, we are starved for any trade speculation Just or trade talk. Give us league. something. Give us Anything. something. And so I, I wrote about this week, you know, where are the five best places for Jerome McGinley to wind up from – just the perspective of the entertainment value. I don't. I don't care where what's best for him. I don't care what's the best fit hockey wise. Like, just where are the quasi realistic places that he could go that would be the most interesting? Uh, you know, as as a fan, and and I think there's a few. Uh, you know, I I could see him. You could see him going to going going to L.A. reunite with Daryl Sutter. They almost won a cup in 2004. Here's here's their chance to. Uh, to finally do it, you know, 13 years later, uh, there's some other, but the two that jump out that I, I'm just, I'm, I'm giddy over the possibility of, of Jerome McGinley going to either place is the Edmonton Oilers and the Calgary Flames. Two teams that are both in the playoff mix right now, both in the Pacific title, Pacific division title mix, uh, you know, two young teams, not really the sort of teams you'd necessarily think are going to go out there and, and, and trade a ton of future for, for a veteran. But how much fun would that be? I mean, obviously, that to have them come back to Calgary uh, and and help them on a playoff run and, and sort of finish his career where it started, that would be great. Uh, or to go to Edmonton, uh, you know, hit the Calgary's greatest rival. But he's, you know, that's where he's from. He's from the Edmonton area. And sort of having a homecoming that way, I think either one of those could just be fantastic. And I really hope it happens. And I'm really cringing to see how the NHL manages to to screw this up and and prevent this fun thing from from happening. First of all, this is the meanest you've ever been to somebody who I really like, and that's Jerome McGinley. Because you either want to see him in Los Angeles, where he's going to be probably the third best player on that team in terms of the forwards because everyone on that team is bad. He's going to be another slow guy on that team. They're not going to go anywhere. Then you have Edmonton who, again, it's a pretty super fast team. I don't know how he's going to fit in there. It's going to be like watching your dad play like a game of full court basketball with like you in high school where he can't keep up. And he's like, he's breathing into his asthma thing. It's just not going to be good. And then Calgary, what, what sadder ending could there be for Jerome McGinley's career? If this is his last season than getting traded to Calgary on like March 1st and then Calgary's, you know, they're, they're, Say they're two points, they're two points ahead of somebody for the wild card spot, and then they miss the playoffs, and then Jerome McGinley's got to just go home after another playoff less season in Calgary, which he left to avoid this ever happening. It's like a nightmare. It's like it's like it's like, a, it's like the, the the dream where you go back to your high school and you're naked and everyone's laughing at you. That's gonna be that. That's that's what it's gonna be if he goes back to Calgary. Let's let's. I don't. Is there a place to trade him that makes sense on a non comedic non? Down goes Brown is mean to Jerome McGinley way like there's it's like, like okay let's say he goes to Pittsburgh that already didn't work out he's probably not fast enough to skate there Washington it's even Washington maybe I don't know Washington could make sense. I don't know he's just 
Philadelphia. I mean, he feels like a Philadelphia type of guy. But like, he, he feels like to me like like Brendan Morrow at the end, where at best he's like a fourth line dude who like in the second in the second yeah. round of the playoffs are going to be like, should we scratch him and put Tom Sestito in? I don't know. Sestito's got better legs at this point. It's going to be sad. He he might be, but but even I mean those those stories can still be good stories. I mean, it, it it's a different position, but you know it's kind of the Kimotimanen thing from a few years ago where. Uh, you know, it was his last year, and he's he's going for that cup, and, and didn't wasn't even playing some of the time. But you know, I still feel like the other thing is if if I'm a GM in the in the NHL, I can easily talk myself into Jerome McGinley, even if he's sure. even if the trade deadline comes around and he's sitting there at ten goals. I'm sitting there going, this guy doesn't have a Stanley Cup yet. He is going to fight and claw and crawl to get there. And you know, I if, and if I've got a team, especially if it's a youngish team. They're going to be watching this guy go everything. He's just leaving everything on the ice every night. And, uh, you know, you're right. It, it might not work out. I, I will disagree with you. It, it can't be the saddest thing because when it comes to trade deadline acquisitions, the, nothing will ever top the 2003 Maple Leafs going out and bringing back Doug Gilmore mm. and then having him blow out his knee in the first period of his first game on the road, it didn't even get to come home and have a home game, blowing out his knee and suffering a career-ending injury on his fifth shift. Uh, you know, unless, as long as Jerome McGinley can stay healthy for five shifts, it won't <laughs> be the single saddest thing. He's it, we're all gunning for for second place. But but the other thing is, and this is this is my own kind of this is what I got my fingers crossed for. It, my dream scenario is, I. I can see a scenario where the Avalanche go to Jerome McGillan and say, you know what, we're not going to get that much for you. All the offers are pretty similar. You tell us where you want to go. You pick your destination and we'll make that happen. And it, and that leaks out and we all have to wait for a couple of days and we hear that you know different teams are bidding and the fans in Calgary are so happy because they know he's coming home. They know that he's going to pick them. <laughs> And then the day comes and Jerome McGinley picks the Edmonton Oilers <laughs> and decides he's going to go home and he's going to play for that. I mean, that would be the greatest heel turn in NHL. Like, without question, the devastation uh, on on Flames fans, if that ever happened, that would make Daniel Alferson going to Detroit look like a paper cut. I mean, that, <laughs> and, and then, you know, the possibility that they could then Calgary and Edmonton then run into each other in the playoffs. I mean, for, again, I'm not talking about what the best hockey bit is. I'm <laughs> I'm going for chaos theory. I want entertainment, and I can't think of a better scenario than Jerome McGinley picks the Edmonton Oilers over the Calgary Flames and just devastates an entire fan base. Like I threw this out on on Twitter, and the responses that I was getting. And I felt like there was a thread on Reddit where they were talking about it, and people in Calgary were like, "I will burn the arena to the ground <laughs> if that happens." And I'm just sitting there, like, read, like clapping my hands, like, "Oh, please, please let it go down." Every like week we do this, I find like another layer underneath you, which reveals you to be this evil mastermind that just wants to see everything fall apart and fail. It's, it's. I've never, I've, ne you, you want to see people in pain, and I can appreciate that. So it's, it's, it's really nice to get to know you. Some people just want to watch the world burn. Some people just want to watch Jerome McGinley defeat a city that's been starved for success for so long and burn their arena down. It's 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 natural, I guess. Oh boy. Well, speaking of things that are good, huh? 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 <laughs> We're getting nice. positive this week. Little twist. The Boston Bruins. Now 
you, we were talking about this before we did this. You fancy them a, a sneaky good team. I don't know. Like the last two years, they missed the playoffs, but they were good. They just barely missed. I feel like they're still kind of that same team. Like they're a dominant. I think they're. I think they might be the number one team in a score adjusted Fenwick through thirty games or whatever. So they're, they're a really good five on five team. But I, I I watched them against the Penguins last night. I don't watch them every night. I just I think they're still kind of the the sameish team that could very well sort of fade at the end of the season and finish with like ninety three points and and not be that good. Like they're okay. They're not a bad team. They're just I don't know. You seem to like them more than I do. Well, I mean, no, because that's that's kind of where I was at. And I, I think I put Sneaky Good with a question mark on the end of it because I'm really not sure because, you know, they've just kind of been hanging around and hanging around and they're in they're in that playoff mix and it's it's sort of been them in Ottawa bouncing back and forth for, for second and third in the Atlantic behind behind Montreal. And, you know, I'm in Ottawa, so I, I see that team a lot more. And I, I don't think the Senators are very good. I, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Uh, I, I think it's I'm, I'm just kind of waiting for the for them to take that that step back and 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 get passed by by some other team. Uh, and, I, you know, up until a week or two ago, I, I kind of just assumed that Boston was in the same boat. And, and you know, and you look at them, uh, you know, and they're they're. I mean, first of all, they're they're not even that good. I mean, I think if if you take out the you know if you if you just look at wins and losses, I think they're they're what they're sixteen and fifteen. So they're they're one win more, uh, you know, as of as of right now as we're recording this, and they they play tonight against the Ducks. So by the time people are hearing this, they might be a five hundred team in terms of wins and losses. They're not that great, uh, and that's despite the fact that they've got a goaltender playing out of his mind. Uh, they got David Pasternak, who's suddenly, you know, become the second coming of Mike Bossy, and and we know that that's not going to continue. So, um, you know, they, they've got certainly some some other good players on the team, but you sort of look at them, and normally I'd go, okay, this is another team that's going to fall, but then you you dive into some of those other numbers, and like you said, the number one team in the league in terms of possession, five on five. Um, and, you know, with a low, even though they've got the good goaltending, uh, you know, a, a low PDO and a very low shooting percentage. I think they're other than, than maybe Buffalo. I think they've got the second lowest shooting percentage in the league. And, and you know, again, it, history tells us uh, when, you're, when your percentages are, are that extreme, they come back to the pack, which means we should expect them to score more goals. Um you know, we should expect, you know, the, the goaltending, who says to Rask, hey, this guy's been a Vesna candidate, who says he can't continue this for the season? Typically, teams that are, are very good possession-wise, that ends up being a great predictor of their future results. So, you know, I'm kind of left looking at a team that, on paper, I'm not that impressed with, and I'm not all that excited about, and yet, you know, all of the same warning signs that are, or or positive signs, you know, when the LA Kings are high in possession, everyone goes, oh yeah, the Kings are going to be fine. They're, you know, keep an eye out for them. Well, here's, we got the Boston Bruins doing pretty much the same thing. Same kind of lights on the dashboard, all blinking, saying maybe this team's a lot better than we think they are. Uh, I haven't really seen it on the ice when I've watched them, but I, you know, I don't know. I guess that's where I get to that question mark. I'm, I'm really not sure on these guys. Uh, If, if this is just, you know, an okay team that's out, that's sort of playing above their heads a bit, or if this is maybe secretly a really good team that's actually underperforming and is going to get better in the second half. So I'm looking at the East standings as of Wednesday afternoon at 1.57 p.m., or Thursday afternoon at 1.57 p.m., and the East is weird because the Metropolitan is so ridiculously stacked and hot right now that 
off the off or five teams are coming out of that division. The Capitals have 39 points and they're the second wild card team. Boston has 35 points and they're the third team in their division. And you look beyond that. Yep. And there's Tampa at 32, who you figure at some point they're going to start winning games and get back in the playoffs. So it's weird because it just seems like like I still don't trust Columbus. Uh, they're, they're just I, I don't I just don't trust Columbus. But they're so they've banked so many points that for them for them to miss the playoffs at this point, Tampa's eight point yeah but, but Tampa's eight points behind them and they've played three more games. So to me, I, so I'm looking at the playoffs. I figure Tampa's gonna take out somebody who's in there now, and it feels like it's gonna be Ottawa. But like it 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 feels like the East has kind of secretly already locked in six of its eight playoff oh, for spots. Sure. Like not, you know, I mean, things can still happen. Teams collapse and that sort of thing. But I mean, you've got those five teams in the Metro that are just ridiculous. So that's that's your three Metro spots and the two wild cards. And you've got Montreal that is is right up there with 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 those five. And so as long as Carey Price stays healthy, you're you're still uh, you're feeling pretty good about them. And it really comes down to Ottawa and Boston and fending off and, and and what makes that interesting is if if it's Ottawa and Boston are the only two vulnerable teams they can only be caught by Atlantic teams right. so you know we've got this weird situation where right now you look at the standings New Jersey Carolina and Florida are all tied with 30 points but Florida is five points out of a playoff spot New Jersey and Carolina are nine points out because they're chasing different teams because New Jersey and Carolina need to catch Washington for a wild card spot, whereas Florida can just skip the wild card altogether and and catch Ottawa or Boston, uh, and same with Tampa Bay. Uh, you know, Tampa Bay. If you just scroll down the standings, you see them seven points back of the last wild card, and you think they're done, but they don't care about the wild card. They care about catching Ottawa or Boston, and and I'm I'm still I'm convinced that they will. I I can't. I, I have a really hard time imagining that Tampa Bay is not in the playoffs at the end of the year. So it kind of becomes down to you know who who are they going to knock out. Ottawa or Boston, like I said, I, I I think Ottawa's the the much more vulnerable of those two teams. And then, you know, can Florida turn it around and get back in? Could Detroit even get? I mean, Detroit's sort of been written off for a while now. They're only five points they back. Have, they have nine. I mean, they've got a game in have, hand on Boston. They have nine regulation wins in thirty games. They're not good. They're, they're terrible. Bad. They're 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 ter- they've won two games in regulation in their last twenty three. <laughs> is that, is that like bad that? now? Oh my god! It's 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 just it's it they're absolutely terrible and yet um they're not you know they're not out of the race i mean even say it you know even say the leafs, yes. even the leafs and the yes. sabers right the leafs and sabers are seven points out of the playoffs but they both have three games in hand on the bruins they can do it they can you do know, it i i like their chances more than i like a new jersey or carolina even though they're ahead of them in the standings because, uh, again, we've got this weird situation where because of the way the playoff format works, and I think you wrote about this this week, where it's it's not the old... If it was the old one through eight, then it's a totally different situation. But because it, the NHL, in their typical NHL way, kind of changed course, but only a little bit, and they created this situation where it's sort of based on the division, but also sort of based on wild cards, uh, and... Uh, we've got this this scenario where different teams with the same records are chasing different opponents for different spots uh and have much different odds uh because it's so of it. stupid it's so dumb that like new jersey and carolina you don't like this you don't like the 
you don't like the new playoffs. It's bad. I, like, you know what's so funny is, like, it's, I wrote about all the ways it's bad, and I don't even really consider the fact that, I mean, like, yes, you can have potentially a sixth team in a division have a better record than the third team in the other division, but you look at it and you say to yourself, like, why, like, why should New Jersey and Carolina be basically done at this point, but Florida right in the mix with the exact same records, almost the same amount of games played? It's stupid. That's stupid. That's a stupid part of it for sure. But if you're Montreal – Montreal is kind of heading towards winning the conference. They're going to have the best record in the conference, and their reward is going to be um, to play not Boston, not the worst team in the conference. They're going to play one of the really good teams from the Metro that's going to have almost the same amount of points as them because of the way the setup is. Like the whoever finishes, it's setting up where whoever finishes second in the Atlantic is probably going to be better off than whoever finishes first in the Atlantic because if you finish second in the Atlantic, like say Tampa makes up ground and they finish second but they don't catch Montreal – they're going to draw Ottawa or Boston or Florida in the first round, and Montreal is going to draw maybe Washington in the first round. It's it's so dumb. I don't. I I. I, yeah. I and we've seen that before, right? Like remember a couple of years ago in the West, where the the two bad teams were Calgary and Vancouver, and they ended up playing each other. In the right. First round. Yeah. Like like that. Freaking freaking Calgary was a second round team that one that year, and they had like a they were like they were, oh god, why do they do this? Why does the NHL? Why does the NHL change the things that nobody wants changed or even thinks about having changed ever? Ah, God. I mean, here, here's, here's my thing. I, I actually... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I like the concept behind what the NHL is trying to do. Hang up. Hang up the phone. Hang up the phone. Get out of here. They are trying to go back to the way it used to be where it was right. all based on divisions. And that's where you got the great rivalries. You know, the NHL loves to talk about rivalries, you know, rivalry Wednesday uh, where they pick two random teams with no history at all and, and tell you it's a rivalry. Boston and Pittsburgh. There's two ways in hockey that you get a rivalry. One is through bad blood, which we pretty much don't have anymore in today's NHL, right or wrong, good or Are bad. you saying that now we, now we got bad blood, but we don't have bad blood? Now we don't got bad blood because we used to be... Mad love? We used, yeah, there used to be mad love, <laughs> but now it's bad love. <laughs> hey. Uh, uh, yes. I, I, like, I like the division robberies. I like the fact that you get these classic matchups. You know, I, I, I grew up in like the Norris division days, Smythe, Adams, Patrick, where, I mean, it was the playoffs most years. It was like you knew at some point. Edmonton and Calgary were going to go at it. You knew at some point you were going to get some combination of Detroit, Chicago, Toronto going at it. You knew that Boston and Montreal, there was a good chance we're going to end up paired off in the first or second round. And and that's, that is how you build these great rivalries. And yeah, sometimes that means that a team doesn't make it in that even though they, they had a better record than somebody who did. I mean, the Norris division was famous for that. You could make it in the playoffs in the Norris division with 55 points. And meanwhile, somebody in the Smythe who you know was an actual hockey team would get eighty points and miss out, and I guess maybe back then it didn't bother you as much because you knew that fifty-five point team wasn't going to win a Stanley Cup 
Yeah, I mean, ultimately right. there were five teams that were going to win the cup, and it was just a question of what what beats did we hit on the way to get there. Whereas today, I mean, when it, it, there's so much parity that you know maybe it's maybe it's more important to make sure we've we've got the best uh, the best teams in there. Period. But yeah, I, I you know I, I I still like the division idea. I would like to think and hope that maybe now that Las Vegas is coming in, we're going to have three divisions be the same that we can just even just go to, you know, put four teams from each division in there and, and get rid of this weird wild card crossover thing. Because the, the one thing that hasn't happened yet, and every year I get, I get excited hoping it'll happen and it hasn't happened yet, but it will someday. And it's going to confuse the hell out of people is when you get two team, you get one team from each division grabbing a wild card in a conference and then they end up flipping divisions yeah it's only happened with one one team doing it right well we've 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 had teams have to switch because because you had two teams yeah it's it's happened a few times where there have been two teams from the same division and then i think fans understand that okay one of those teams has to go over to the other but what they don't understand is if it's four and four that doesn't necessarily mean that everyone stays in the division you can have four and four and still flip those teams and you could even have a situation in theory where you know, Montreal is finishes first in the Atlantic and Boston finishes fourth and Pittsburgh finishes first in the Metro and Philadelphia finishes fourth. And you're thinking, oh, great, two of the best rivalries. <laughs> we're going to get them in the first round. Nope. No, you're uh-uh. not, because they're going to flip sides and we're going to get Pittsburgh, Boston and Montreal, Philadelphia. And it, there have been so many years where it has almost happened. And I can't wait to see it just just so that confused fans will realize how complicated this format actually is. Uh, and and want to know why the NHL is doing that way, but I, I'd like to see them get rid of it. Uh, but I don't know. You know, at the same time, as much as I like a division format, I like the rivalries. I like seeing this. You know, similar matchups. If we had that this year, Tampa Bay would be sitting in a playoff spot with 32 points right now, and Washington would be outside the playoffs with 39. Well, that's the thing, though. And maybe that's maybe that's a little bit ridiculous. Like, that like I, I wish they would just commit to the whole division thing. I would rather I would rather them commit to the division thing. And have the divisions mean so much that you could miss the playoffs that way, as opposed to this like hedging right. situation. And also the regular season too. After the lockout, if you were in the same division, you played those teams in your division eight times. So and that was back in the the three three uh, division situation. I, it, it was maybe a little bit overkill, but if you really want to do rivalries, if you really want to get back to you know the old school NHL and rivalry, you, you can do rivalry night more often if you do it that way. To me, there are so many unnecessary games. Like I, I, I cover games at the Garden, and I understand why the schedule is the way it is, where everybody has to play each other at least twice, so they get one game in each building. But there is no reason for Calgary to come to New York every year. There is no reason for for Minnesota to go to the island every year. You don't need all those matchups to happen. I get why you do. You want to have Crosby in every building. You want to have McDavid in every building. Guys, we got we got DirecTV. We got we got. NHL.TV, there's plenty of ways to watch, guys. There are so many games that just like, oh, man, holy cow. Wait, hold on. You're telling me Florida's playing Edmonton twice? That's awesome because now I get to watch Jonathan Huberdeau and Jordan Everly twice. Like, I would just – everyone plays each other once and then just all those extra games that you have left over that you're not playing anymore, play them in your division. And if you want to do a divisional playoff thing, do a divisional playoff thing. The wild card is, and I think with Vegas coming in now that it's going to be sixteen fifteen, you don't really need the wild card anymore because there's more balance. No, it, it, that's that's the thing. You have one team, you know. You, yeah, you'd still have the central 
being one team short, uh, but you can live with that. I think uh, I, I don't think you need the wild cards in. And uh, yeah, you know, on the one hand, you you could have a situation where you had like this year's Metro. There's five awesome teams. If there was only four playoff spots, one of those teams would get screwed. Uh, the other side of that is, what, man, what a great playoff race that would be. Imagine if there were five really good teams fighting it out for four spots. I mean, you're talking every game's important versus right now where all five of them are locked in and yeah, you're playing for seeding and yeah, you're playing for, but home ice advantage really doesn't matter in the NHL. Everybody's so close. Uh, it's, you know, it's not like the NFL or the NBA where having that home home field or home court is a really big deal in the NHL. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know exactly what the numbers are, but it's, they're, they're not, they're, they're not all that outside the realm of what you would expect if they were just playing at, at neutral sites. So I'm not sure why, you know, if you're if you're Washington right now, if you feel safe that you're going to make the playoffs, are you really that worried about whether you're a wild card or second or third or wherever it is in the Metro? Or are you just saying, you know what, let's let's put it in neutral and, and just kind of cruise through the season and, and save up for the playoffs? I mean, the Islanders essentially tanked last year to avoid Pittsburgh, so clearly home ice doesn't matter that much because they wanted to play Florida instead of Pittsburgh. I think unless you're going to win your division, I don't think it really matters too much, you know? It's 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 just so weird. The regular season, is it's so meaningless that you play 80 games and the Islanders are like, wait a second, do we want to go into the playoffs, you know, firing on all cylinders or should we scratch John Tavares and all of our guys so we can lose and then play Florida in round one? Like, that's the... Uh, why are we not running the league? We could do so many great things for the league, Sean. If we just if we could just become like the like the Brett Hall, Les Jackson co commissioners of the league, like we could do some really good stuff. <sighs> I, I I mean I'll I'll update my resume and I'll send it in and, and we'll see. <laughs> I, I I get to be Brett Hall called it. Um, okay. So so there's there's one other note you wanted to get to. It's a simple question: Can the Islanders be saved? And my answer is no. So. What do you have to say about that? <laughs> yeah, my answer is also no. All right. Good segment. All right, so moving. <laughs> the, the, the one thing I'll say on the Islanders, I, can, I, they can't be saved this year. I, I mean, I think that they're just too far back. Uh, I, I Unless the only way that I see them turning around this year is if they make a coaching change and, and have the sort of impact that we saw in, in Pittsburgh last year. Not that the Islanders are the are anywhere close to the Pittsburgh Penguins, but that sort of coaching change that turns your season around but apparently Garcino says he's not going to do that so uh I think they're stuck where they are the thing I find interesting about the Islanders are these stories that are going around now about them looking to bring in somebody uh like uh, in the hockey ops but like as a team president role uh and and I always find these things fascinating because there's two ways you can go and we've heard sort of both paths being discussed with the Islanders but number one is you go out there and you just find the very best executive you can. And, you know, whether it's somebody who used to be a GM or somebody who, whatever it is, the smartest, best, most connected, experienced, successful hockey person you can, and you bring them in uh, and, and you put them in that role. Path number two is you go out and you find a famous player. Preferably somebody who used to play for your team. Pat LaFontaine. Uh, you know, Pat LaFontaine, you know, Trevor Linden, <laughs> Kevin Lowe, uh, you know, Brendan Shanahan, although at least, you know, he had done years at the league and, and you know, uh, it wasn't it wasn't coming back to a former team. But, uh, you know, a- any number of these teams. And to me, that's like the clearest insight you can get into whether a team is serious about winning or not is which one do they do? Do they go and get the 
the experienced hockey guy or do they go get the the beloved former player that they can put in front of the fans and go see we got this guy now you can't yell at us anymore because if you yell you're going to be yelling at him you're going to make trevor linden sad now if you cancel your season tickets and you know we've we've heard the the islanders like we we've heard them you know we heard like mike gillis who you know I mean, it didn't end great in vancouver but this is a guy who very nearly built a Stanley Cup winner. Right. Uh, that's one path you can go. Or there's the Pat LaFontaine. Or, the, you know, the other one was, uh, like, Brad Richards. What? Who I'm sure is a, I'm sure is a wonderful guy, and, and I'm sure is a very smart guy who's forgotten more about hockey than, than I'll ever know. But this guy's been been retired for a few months. Like, he's ready to come in and run an NHL team? Even Steve Eiserman was like, yeah, I'm going to hang out here and do a little internship with Kenny Holland for a few years before I... I, I like- yeah, he... Like like Iserman, Shanahan, those guys like they they paid their dues. I mean Lafontaine to some extent has been he's been doing work in the the league office as well. But we've already seen him kind of like you know come in and and come out at, with the Islanders and the Sabers already. So I I you know I I don't know what that situation is. But I, yeah I I just it's always interesting to me you know like you know even even an organization that I I have some respect for how they're they're running things. But you look at the Carolina Hurricane like. Like what a weird coincidence that the best qualified person <laughs> to be the GM of that franchise happened to be Ron Francis, the greatest player in in franchise history. You know, like it, it's I, I'm not saying you never do it. Like I I really like what Ron Hextel's done in Philadelphia, but again, he went and did the apprenticeship and 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 all of that in uh, in LA and, and and paid some dues there. You know, if you see a, if you see a team just getting ready to pluck a guy out of virtually nowhere and, and drop him in and say this is our new leader. Uh, you know, to me, it's you're choosing PR over success, and I'm I'm really interested to see which direction the Islanders go because I I don't have a lot of faith in in how that franchise is being run these days. But you know, maybe maybe they'll surprise me and actually put an experienced hockey person in there. Islanders GM Alexei Yashin, huh? That would that would be Come as on. ridiculous as as picking your active backup goalie off of the roster and and putting him in charge so we can't uh, like we can't rule anything out with this with this organization i know it's different people in charge now but it's unbelievable everything's on the table he's been there for so long and like and it's so weird how like that's that's another analytics eye test thing too where analytics or like you know stats people love garth snow i don't get it like he's been there forever and picking super high in the draft forever and there's still this middling, average, not good team. And I, I, I just I love the idea of like the new owners in in New York going in and like slamming their fists down the table and say like, "Bring me the greatest Islander player of the last twenty years." <laughs> and everyone just kind of looks around. And they're like, uh, "Well, John Tavares is busy." <laughs> and can we? How about like Brad Richards play for the Rangers? Is that close enough? Can we bring him in? Because yeah, other than that, it's like. Team president Ziggy Palfy. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, I would sign up for that. I love Ziggy Palfy. He's 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 he was a really good player, so he's probably a really good front office guy. I don't think we have enough front office guys named Ziggy ah. in this league right now. The the Vikings have what's his name? Isn't the, the Viking Minnesota Vikings owner Ziggy something like Ziggy Wolf? I think I think he's a Zig. He's a Zig. <laughs> I think he's 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 gone more formal. Like he like like he was Ziggy when he was a kid, but now he's. <laughs> He's much more mature, so he's zig. He's he's one of those owners when the Chicago Bears zag, he zigs. Okay, so uh, we're we're running out of time here. We got we got things to do, but 
We do have some questions from the uh, oh, from the podcast readers. Uh, the first are any of them trademark related? Uh, nope. Nobody wants to say that we're morons for not understanding trademark law, which is good. Right on. Um, Jared Moore wants to know: um, Are we cool with no suspension for Carey Price beating the crap out of Nick Palmieri? I am. I'm, I think it's fine. I haven't been cool since <laughs> I was about six years old, but I'm fine with it. Yeah, no, that's not. You know. If, not everything bad that happens in an NHL game has to be a suspension. Yeah. And, you know, he punched him a few times. I know there were people who were like, well, technically it's a match penalty because he used the blocker. And no, it's 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 not. It, he he punched him a few times. He took a penalty. You know, that that's that's fine. It, not not everything that not everything bad somebody does during a hockey game has to be a suspension. Like I thought, remember when remember when uh that Flyers Capitals fight happened and I think it was um was it Ray Emery just grabbed Braden or yeah, it was Braden Holpe and he just he just beat the yeah. crap out of him for like like that to me should have been a suspension because Braden Holpe wanted no part of that and he was just getting his head wailed on for like fifteen seconds. That to me that should have yeah. been a suspension, but Carey Price That would have been a lot closer than than, you know, yeah. Carey Price just slapping a guy with his blocker a few times the worst part about that whole thing was my entire timeline that night turned into a bunch of chris Kreider jokes like oh whoa, should have should have hit chris Kreider. i to this day will tell you chris Kreider got tripped and slid into everyone's like oh he would skates up I, I i i still think that was just a gigantic man going really fast getting tripped and that's all it was just a weird coincidence that it was the same guy who had done that to like six other goaltenders it's weird how that keeps happening to him. But like, have you have you seen that happen with Kreider since? I mean, I don't think I have. He's just he was just a, he was a crazy goofy kid, Sean. He just didn't understand the laws <laughs> of physics. Um, what else do we have here? Am a period m period wants to know. Now I kind of want to know this too. When is Willie Desjardins getting fired? I can't believe he wasn't fired after the Carolina game. I thought like for sure he was going to be the he was going to be fired at that point. Yeah, no, the uh, the 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 five goal get yeah, I I I'm I've kind of given up on when this will happen because yeah, I mean they they've lost three straight. They've got oh gee, they, I mean they're they're starting a home stand. okay. Let me throw this out there because I'm a big but not too many other people do this, but I'm a big proponent that you want to know when someone's getting fired, look at the schedule and find the place where it makes sense where the tough games are done because you want the new guy to come in and get a few wins. And I'm looking at their schedule now, and I mean, there's a bunch of places they could have done it, but they're on a three-game losing streak, just had the disaster against Carolina. They play Friday night, they've got Tampa. And then Sunday night, they've got Columbus, which could be, I, I believe, could be John Tortorella's, what, like 500th win or something, like some milestone game for, uh, for, for John Tortorella. And then after that, they've got the Winnipeg Jets back-to-back. To me, that would be the time. If 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 they lose to Tampa and they lose to Columbus, I could see that being a time where you you then go, okay, we've got Winnipeg, Winnipeg, Calgary, L.A. You know that those are all some winnable games coming up. And the Winnipeg thing is really weird because it's back to back games, but they're both in Vancouver. So I'm gonna say my my answer number one is never uh, <laughs> because he should have been fired already based on the outcome and, and it clearly he's got some strong support in that organization but if, you, if i gotta pick a day i'm gonna say monday morning after they've lost to tampa and columbus this weekend i feel like there's a really good argument for not firing him because if you're if you're tanking and you're trying to get a top pick 
why not just let Willie Deschardins run the thing into the ground for another four months? Or you can do what the Leafs did and put an interim coach who's even worse in and mm. and really, really slam it into the ground. But yeah, you're right. There is that 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 kind of the the stealth tank theory is uh uh is maybe maybe the one that will save them yeah i I feel like if if a team ever wanted to tank like you should be like the second or third guy that gets a phone call for like tips on what we should do like you've you've i could totally do it you've suffered through so much you poor like did you see the like there was some quote i can't remember where i saw it but like and it was with the canucks and i and i think it was i I can't remember if it was benning or or desjardin but one of them was like well you know we got all these young players and they've got to learn how to how to play the right way in a winning environment. And it was like, what winning environment? <laughs> how can you possibly think a winning environment is important and then be fine with losing all the time? Like, that, I, I don't know if you're delusional or if words just don't mean what the rest of us think they mean out there in Vancouver. But I, yeah, I found that quote very amusing. All right, we got, we, I think we got one more, one more question, I believe. A lot of these questions are asking me to name, like, their, our five this and 12 that. Like, that, that involves prep. That involves show prep. And I don't know about you guys. If you haven't figured out yet that we're just winging this every week, we, 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 need, we need simpler questions. So um, one more question is going to be, which would you rather – this is from Jim – Habs in Ottawa – a Montreal fan in Ottawa, I suppose. You, you may know this guy from the grocery store. Which would you rather? <laughs> which would you rather? Would you rather listen to Gary Bettman talk about parody for 24 hours or get punched by John Scott 10 times? Oof. <laughs> See, the thing is, both of those things would involve me being unconscious after about three seconds. So I'm going to go... I'm, I'm going to say Gary Bettman because at least that one, when I woke up, my face would still be roughly in the same place I left it. Well, I'm thinking that if John Scott's going to punch me, maybe not all 10 would be in the face. Like maybe like there'd be like four or five glancing blows off of like the shoulders. So that would be over much quicker. And if he knocks me unconscious, I'm not going to feel those punches that hit me afterwards. So I think I'm going to take the John Scott beating. Okay. But would his children be proud? (sighs) This fucking, That's the important question. This goddamn league. This fucking league, Sean. Uh, well, on that note... I, on that note. On that note, speaking of things that are bad, the show's over. We're done. This is the part of the show where I'm supposed to self-promote, but I just, I'm just i not good at it. I don't like doing it. I, I, have, I have a Twitter account, and you go there, and there's links to stuff, and you can go read stuff at all these other sites, including Vice. It's Vice Sports. Vice.com. It's a great, great website. Got anything you want to promote? Anything you want to sell? Uh... Not really. Follow me on Twitter at Down Goes Brown. That's where I post everything, all the links to to everything I write. Uh, and uh, yeah, check me out on Vice Sports on Friday. We'll have the grab bag in which we will celebrate the 25th anniversary of the NHL awarding franchises to Tampa and Ottawa. I like it. All right, so it's a uh, birthday party. Go on, uh, go on Vice and read us. Go on iTunes and read us. Uh, go on to the. Uh itunes and 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 read some uh reviews and post some reviews and tell us that we're good and give us five stars we should get some incentive for leaving leaving a five-star thing i was listening to someone else's podcast and they said that if you leave a five-star rating and you leave an insult but as long as it's a five-star rating if you leave an insult they'll read it on the air should we open ourselves up should we open ourselves up to that okay is if you give us five stars but you post trademark related legal briefings (laughs) 
We will pick one and read it on the air at the beginning of the show. There you go. There's your incentive. So go do that. It's got to be five stars. Got to be five. If it's four stars and it's a really good trademark briefing, we're not going to read it. If it's five stars and a mediocre yeah. one, we're going to read it. So, uh, so yeah, thanks to our buddy Tim Barnes, who sits here and listens to us talk, even though he doesn't care a lick about hockey or anything we're talking about. And uh, thanks for reading us. And uh, I guess that's it. So uh, see ya. Bye. See you next week. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.